Please be seated. To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message on the 16th Sunday after Pentecost is the gospel for this day. You heard it read from Luke chapter 14. I recall just these words. If people come to me and are not ready to abandon their fathers, mothers, wives, children, brothers, and sisters, as well as their own lives, they cannot be my disciples. In the same way, none of you can be my disciple unless you give up everything. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who gave up everything so that we might have everything in heaven, my beloved. It was back in uh, 1997, and uh, my brothers and I and my dad and several others were up in a camping trip in um, Canada. And on that summer day, whenever it was during the summer, that was that rainstorm, you know, that just wouldn't leave Milwaukee, and there was a lot of flooding in basements. And... Um, we had never had any water in our house, so uh, my wife said to herself, and I was gone, well, it's a good thing, you know, we live here in Wauwatosa because we never have any flooding in our basements, but just to check, I'm going to go down there and take a look. The next morning, she went down, there was between 6 and 12 inches of water in the basement. Well, one of the problems was that, that we stored a lot of our photo albums down there, and they were all wet. And you know what happens if you just leave them, you know, they stick together and they all shred and everything else. But that day was uh, very hot, and there was no wind, and she pulled out all of those photo albums, took them out to the patio, and laid out hundreds of pictures to dry in the sun. And thank you, dear, because otherwise all of our memories would have been gone. You know, those are days before the digital cameras. So we would have lost all of our memories by losing those possessions. I don't know why it is, according to God's will, but we've seen a whole lot of natural disasters in our nation this past summer. The wildfires out in California, the uh, flooding down in Louisiana, and now uh, Hurricane Hermine working its way up the uh, Atlantic seaboard. And you've seen the pictures as well as I did. The devastation and people standing there and either their house is gone or it's completely underwater and they've lost everything. I mean, how would you feel? This morning we want to talk about uh, Jesus' words as he instructs us how to be a follower or a disciple of his. Because there were a whole lot of people, in fact it says uh, this morning it was a large crowd that was following Jesus and they were doing so very enthusiastically. They were excited because they saw this itinerant preacher do miracles, those uh, Feats that were so unnatural, no human being could match. I mean, he had fed 5,000 uh, people with five loaves of bread and two small fish, kept multiplying that over and over and over until people had so much they couldn't even eat anymore. He had cured many of their relatives of incurable diseases that no medicine could touch. 
And my goodness, just not too long ago, he even raised a young man from, from the small town of Nain from death to life. If he could do all of those things, surely he might be the king that they were looking for to restore this poor land to its former heyday under rich King Solomon. The crowd, unfortunately, was looking for a bunch of quick fixes. They wanted Jesus to take care of their health issues and their poverty issues and their political issues. And as this crowd followed Jesus, all of a sudden he turned on them and spoke some what sounds like harsh words. He wanted to redirect their thinking from the earthly to the heavenly. He wanted them to understand what they really would be getting into if they would be following him. He wanted them to cost, to count the cost ahead of time. Sort of like an architect wants to put up a building, Jesus says. First of all, he takes a look at all the specs and everything, finds out if there's enough funds so that he can actually complete the thing. If not, he's not going to build it in the first place. The same way with an army general. He's not going to go into battle. Uh, If he's lacking 10,000 troops over against his enemy, then he might send out an envoy for peace. Following Jesus is going to be something quite different than what you think. It's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be quite difficult. Now, maybe you know of some Christians or somebody who has recently been a convert from Christianity, and sometimes uh, they go into Christianity blindly, and they think that, you know, once you follow Jesus, then all of your problems go away. You don't get sick anymore. Your financial problems disappear. Following Jesus can be just the opposite. Jesus says, if anyone comes after me and does not abandon his father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross, you know, a place where you died in Jesus' day, uh, to follow me cannot be my disciple. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. In other words, Jesus says, if you're going to follow him, you're going to have to leave three things behind your personal relationships your personal comforts and even your possessions maybe none of you have experienced that in your lifetime there's a lutheran pastor out there in our missouri synod who used to be a muslim he's a christian lutheran pastor now and he speaks on the muslim faith and one time he was going to speak about the Muslim faith versus Christianity from a secular, secular university. And the day before he was going to have his speech, he got a phone call. And the voice on the other end says, if you uh, give that message about the Muslim faith and Christianity, I'm going to kill you. He said, fine, that's okay, because if I die, I know where I'm going. You don't. He also t- told us about uh, families uh, where there was one family where... Um, Uh, a Muslim man married a Christian bride. And the family found out about it, and so they put out a death contract on the couple, and so they had to leave town and flee and uh, go somewhere and create an alias. Our missionaries tell us that when you go to Japan, in the Asian cultures, if somebody becomes a Christian, their family disowns them. 
We've never experienced that here in the United States. Other cultures, if you become a Christian, your family abandons you or you have to abandon your family. What we're seeing throughout the world today in persecution is only a repeat performance of what happened in Jesus' day. It's been going on ever since Jesus ascended into heaven. Christians are called upon in many times to leave everything behind to follow Jesus. Stephen, the very first martyr, was called upon to leave his bodily comforts behind. In fact, he even gave his life up in death because he followed Jesus. Paul, remember that Christian persecutor, when he finally became a Christian, then he became persecuted. In the Bible, it says that he suffered beatings, sleepless nights, riots, hard work, cold, naked, hunger, shipwrecked, swimming day and night in the sea, imprisoned, and finally executed for his faith in Jesus Christ. Throughout New Testament times, Christians have been threatened with persecution. And many times they have to leave their countries and all their possessions behind. Have you ever suffered any Christian persecution? Every once in a while we hear stories about that uh, professor who teaches in a secular university who tries to abide by his Christian principles and so he's fired. You hear about Christians every so often who because they maintain their Christian principles lose their jobs. Persecution. Maybe you know of uh, some Christian kid who had to give up some of his friends because his friends were trying to get him or her to indulge in things that would not only hurt the body but also the soul. And so they, he had to leave those friends. Christians are called upon to suffer for Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, go, some, go somewhere, go to a party, uh, go to some relationship that you have and talk about the sanctity of human life and how abortion stops a beating heart. Or talk about the sanctity of marriage and how marriage in God in the Bible is one man and one woman for life and see if anybody calls you naive or laughs at you or changes the subject. The voice of the martyrs. Ever been there on the Internet? You better be ready because you see some horrifying and horrible things. Mutilation and death of Christians simply because they maintain their faith in Jesus Christ. North Korea, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Vietnam, Indonesia, China, the list goes on and on and on. My granddaughter wants to uh, uh, teach ESL over in China. She wants to do it. She was there already. She wants to go back long term. You know, you can't say no, but you are fearful. In comparison, we could say, ah, here we are in the good old USA. Safe again today. Or are we? Or will we be? Why is it that so many people hate Christians? Some governments hate Christianity because they want the government to be God, and Christianity doesn't say that. 
Some religions believe that uh, their God wants to eradicate all Christians. But as a matter of fact, Jesus himself said it best when he said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Then he goes on to say, But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. If persecution someday, and I mean the rough stuff, comes our way, will we stand up against it? You know, we all swore an oath at our confirmation that we would. Do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and the church and suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? And we all answered, I do so intend with the help of God. But you know, when it comes right down to it, Jesus never asked any of his followers to do anything that he hasn't already done. Jesus suffered the loss of his most intense relationship when his father hated him on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus gave up his own personal comforts by whippings and beatings. Jesus gave up his own Possessions. In fact, when he was crucified, he only had the coat on his back, and they even took that away from him. And did it all to redeem you and me from the punishment of sin. And as Jesus died to save us, he also promises to protect us from all harm and danger, even the dangers of persecution. St. Peter writes, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though some strange thing were happening to you. St. Paul, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. God comforts us in the words of our dear Lord Jesus when he says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. St. Peter reminds us, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? St. Paul says, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword... For I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else under creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I can remember back, as old as I am, to my grade school, going to church and grade school, Lutheran school in the 50s. My goodness, we didn't hear anything about persecution back then. Even when I was at the seminary, none of the religious books that we used, prayer books or anything, talked about persecution. That's all changed today. 
my personal pastoral companion booklets that I carry around with me, they got all sorts of prayers in there about persecution. There's a hymn printed in one section of my pastor's companion. It goes like this. Who clings with resolution to him whom Satan hates must look for persecution for him the burden waits. Of mockery, shame, and losses heaped on his blameless head, a thousand plagues and crosses will be his daily bread. Next stanza. If God himself before me, I may a host defy. For when I pray before me, my foes confounded fly. If Christ, my head and master, befriend me from above, what foe or what disaster can drive me from his love? And then there's a prayer in there also for concluding your devotion by praying for your enemies and those who persecute you. Will you do that along with me this morning? Please bow your heads. Almighty, everlasting God, through your only Son, our blessed Lord, you commanded us to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, and to pray for those who persecute us. Therefore, we earnestly implore you that by your gracious working, our enemies may be led to true repentance, may have the same love toward us as we have toward them, and may be of one accord and of one mind and heart with us, and with your whole church. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen and amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. 
Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.